Brandon Ingram. Carmelo Anthony. Brandon Ingram. Brandon Ingram. Carmelo Anthony. In the hands of Anthony. Embiid. Anthony for three. Puts it in. On this episode of NBA Now and Then, The Greatest Comparisons, we compare two fluid scorers from their respective eras. When he got to his spot, it was a wrap. Pull-up jumper, nothing but net. Their games smooth yet potent. New Orleans fans have a walking bucket in this player, and they know it. Leaving defenders alone on an island. Their jump shooting form, as pure as it is pretty. We are eager to present to you Brandon Ingram, and Carmelo Anthony. I'm Uriah. I'm Maurice. I'm Lucas. And I'm Ben. And we're here to talk NBA now and then. All right, we are back and we have two smooth players that we're going to talk about today. Guys that come from different backgrounds, but went to really, really powerhouse colleges, different upbringings, but amazing careers. One younger, one just retired recently. We're going to get into Carmelo Anthony and Brandon Ingram. Let's start off with Maurice. Why are we talking about these two right now? What's this comparison all about to you? Well, their games are very similar, both mid-range jumpers, long, lengthy kind of players that fill up the bucket real quick. High potent scores. Ben? Yeah, I would say offensive first, guys who can play four positions, both top two picks, heavily recruited at a high school. They went to big programs. What stands out the most is just kind of like elite offensive play. For me, I, I would say it's more along the lines of just how effortlessly sometimes these guys can score. Not just a job for them, it's mechanical. Not in the way that they, they shoot, per se, but how they dissect the opposing defense. Yeah, I agree with everything that everybody said, especially Lucas. I think technique and how they approach to get their shots off is quite impressive for guys, their height. So yeah, they, especially Mello, he really came into the league and, and took it by fire. Brandon Ingram, we'll, we'll get to him and his background. Uh, he had a unique entrance into the league playing with L.A. But let's go ahead and let's get into this comparison. First quarter, background. We're going to look at the background of Slender Man, a.k.a. Tiny Dog, a.k.a. Humble Beast, a.k.a. Kingram. But before he got tagged those nicknames, he was born Brandon Xavier Ingram, son of Donald and Joanne Ingram, on September 2nd, 1997 in Kinston, North Carolina. His dad, believe it or not, played semi-pro ball. He was also a basketball referee at the high school and the college level. His dad was also a police officer, and he used to run a rec center in North Carolina. Ingram stated in an ESPN article about his dad running the rec center and being part of the whole sports scene, and I quote, that kept me out of trouble a lot because if it wasn't basketball, Brandon said, I don't know what else I would do. 
As far as his high school career goes, Ingram's stats were almost 19 points a game, eight boards, and close to two and a half blocks. I have an over or under related to his height. Just like last time, let's go back to his freshman year, Brandon Ingram High School. Anybody want to guess how tall he was as a freshman? 6'1". I'll go 6'2". I would say 6'1". 6'1"? Okay. And the answer is... Six two. So Ben, we were all close. Yeah, I knew. I knew, like, because he has such like good ball handling. So typically, that means they played point guard, and so they were shorter. All right, Brandon Ingram played basketball at Kinston High School. At Kinston, Ingram helped his team win four consecutive state championships from 2012 to 2015. His high school career achievements include playing in the McDonald's All-American Game, and the Nike Hoops Classic. He was also Parade Magazine High School All-American as well. What stands out to you, Lucas, about Brandon Ingram's pre-college years? Until he got to college, I didn't hear much about him, which is unusual because usually I had my, you know, you you hear about the top, top guys. And I I get that he was a top guy, but it just never really flashed until he got to college. That's what uh, got out to me. Well, for me, I always go back to the upbringing because that, that that says a lot about your character going forward, especially when you become a professional. He said his father was a cop, right? And he, and he ran the record league, right? So, yeah, yep. Yeah, so right there, that tells me that he was raised to a certain standard. I'll say that. Anytime you have access to a basketball court and a record league and, you know, you're allowed to, you know, do whatever you want, be free, and play the game that you love, you're a step ahead. I know a little bit about this. There's a, I think there's a documentary called Basketball Town, and it focuses on that there's this kind of smaller community in North Carolina. And I know Jerry Stackhouse kind of, I believe, led the charge on players coming out of this area, uh, Kingston. And I think that's what always has stood out to me. There's clearly, there's a lot of NBA players that come out of this part of North Carolina. It's funny you mention that, Ben, because I have an audio clip that I'm going to play for you to give you an even clearer idea of what his upbringing was like. Let's check it out. Kinston High School has a great tradition with basketball. It's been so much talent that has come through. Coming into high school, I knew I had to prove myself. And uh, and that's something I worked so hard. Uh, going back and forth to Atlanta to meet uh, Jerry Stackhouse to work out with him. Him coming down to me, working out with his AAU team. As a ninth grader, you know, um, Brandon had the opportunity to get some big minutes. The first time I saw him play, I was blown away by how talented he was, how skilled he was. And as I watched him over and over, the last thing that blew me away, probably more than anything, was how tough he was. Yeah, Ben, it's it's like <laughs> you right on time with that take on Jerry Stackhouse because that was in the clip. It was like a big deal just because of it's such a small community right. that so many NBA players have come out of this community and like good NBA players. So yeah, that's just, that's something that always kind of stood out. And I think Brandon Ingram is when it came out, when he kind of got drafted and started right. playing for the Lakers. Now it's well known that Ingram attended Duke when he was a freshman, he registered seven double doubles and he averaged 17 points, almost seven rebounds and two assists per game. Ingram was as impactful on defense, averaging 1.4 blocks and 1.1 steals. 
Does anyone know who he played with at Duke that would also make it to the NBA one day? Oh, gosh. Um, no, that was after Julio Okafor. Uh What team does this player currently play for? Wow. Uh, well, there's two of them. One played for the Bucks and recently got traded, I think. And then the Ooh, other, uh, and then the other, I think oh. he's most well known for playing with the Clippers. I think. Well, I know it's Grayson Allen. Yeah, Grayson right. Allen's one of them. Yep, Grayson Allen's one. And it's hard the with these one year guys on yeah. these big because it's hard to the one year guys. It's hard. Was to he do drafted that. in the same draft? That's a good question. I, I don't think Grayson was. I'll tell. Grayson stayed back. It's yeah. Luke Kennard. Oh, Luke Kennard. oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, okay. he's a lefty, right, Luke Kennard? Uh, well, he's currently on the Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, but does he shoot left-handed? I don't know. No, I thought he was a lefty, or maybe I'm mixing him up with Joe Ingles. I think that's I think what you're it is. mixing him yeah. up with Joe Ingles because yeah. Luke Kennard's one of the best shooters, and no offense right. to lefties, they're not usually like high percentage three-point shooters unless yeah. your name's James Hart. So in the NCAA tournament that Brandon Ingram played in, he did help his team advance to the Sweet 16 in the tournament. He averaged 23 points, six rebounds during the three tournament games. Now, his accolades from Duke include the ACC All-Rookie Team, the ACC Rookie of the Year, and he also made the All-ACC Team. He declared for the 2016 NBA Draft after just one year at Duke. With the second pick in the 2016 NBA Draft, the Los Angeles Lakers select... Brandon Ingram from Duke University. Ingram averaged better than 17 points per game, shot better than 40% for three for Mike Krzyzewski's Blue Devils. And according to ESPN Analytics, this is the guy that is most likely to perform at an all-star level in his first five years in the NBA. He- all right, Ben, we'll go to you first. What stands out to you about his career at Duke? You kind of knew his game would translate right away. Uh, so he just was one of those players, kind of like a, a Jason Tatum, a guy with size who is athletic, who can handle. Um, you just knew he would fit in right away. And then uh, when he got drafted, he got drafted after Kobe retired, right? No. I What? I think no. he did. It was his Maybe. last year. It was his last year. Yeah, it was his rookie no, year. No, no, no. Kobe retired in 2016, right? Was it the 2016-17 season or I was think it at the Ing- end of- I think Ingram was the second pick they got. And so I remember being like, well, Kobe retired, but they got this guy. That draft is pretty stacked from what I remember. Being in LA, I remember like the vibes are pretty high that they got the number two pick after Kobe retired. So that's kind of what stood out to me was like, oh, this guy's going to fit right in. That was after Kobe's last game. Right. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to say this. At the time of that draft, I was having a debate with colleagues of mine that Brandon Ingram should have gone first to the Sixers. Because well, revisionist history tells well, us. I, well, no, 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 no. You can, you can ask Chris. You can ask Chris. Chris was my co-award at the time. He works for a fan sided, But, you know, we were just contributors. But at the time, I thought Brandon Ingram was the better overall prospect. Not the highest potential, but the better overall prospect. So... That's Lucas, how I felt about Lucas, you out. were correct. I think, well, <laughs> you was he in that, in that yeah. draft? Was he? That's a good question. Yeah. But that's another uh, question for another day. It, well, it reminds me of the Odin draft, where it's like the team wanted this mode, this dominant player, but clearly the second pick, Kevin Durant, would be better. Um, not that 
Ingram is as good as KD, but we can all say that we all knew he was going to be at least a star player in the NBA based off of what he can do on a basketball court. Yeah, just another amazing, talented player at Duke who stayed for one year. I think we talked about Kyrie Irving a couple episodes ago and went on to the NBA and is doing big things right now with the Pelicans. One thing I wanted to mention is that he has a 7-3 wingspan. So he's tall, he's lanky, but those defensive numbers that I mentioned earlier, the blocks and the steals, I think, especially at Duke, the way that Chusevsky has his system and, and all the help defense that he provides with all his players. Back in college, he wasn't just a scorer, so to speak. Okay, it's time to talk about Mellow, a.k.a. Hoodie Mellow, a.k.a. Sweet Melon. Guys, have you heard of Sweet Melon before? Nope. <laughs> no. Thank you, Basketball Reference. That Sweet is a weird Melon. One. <laughs> yeah. But before he was tagged those nicknames, he was born Carmelo Kayim Anthony, May 29th, 1984. Carmelo is one of three children raised by his mother, Mary, who was a housekeeper. Carmelo's father died, unfortunately, when he was just two years old. Now, Mello grew up in one of the roughest neighborhoods in Baltimore. Uh, people who watch The Wire can see the environment that Carmelo Anthony grew up in, because that's, that's what his neighborhood is famous for. Growing up, Carmelo's mom used basketball as leverage to keep him on his best behavior in school. True or false? Carmelo Anthony was cut from his varsity team at one point in high school. True or false? Probably true because uh, Baltimore basketball was is just really strong. So probably true. Yeah, but true. I'm going to zag here and say false. Lucas, this is for you. Oh. <laughs> well, you That's can't for all just for- being different. Sometimes it's okay to go with the, with, with the consensus. Man. Yeah, I, I did it to be different. Of course. It, just, it, felt, it felt too easy. Like, you wouldn't have brought it up unless it was true, but at the same Not time, I feel like... I mean, but at the same time, I thought, well, maybe he's trying to trick us. That I do that just like you do that, and you try to trick us with your questions. But anyway, hey, I get so questions. apparently he, was, he didn't have a lot of height at that point, so he was cut... And eventually, I guess by the time he was a senior, he sprouted up to be six foot five. So height definitely helped him uh, get to the next level. So as a high school junior, Carmelo actually already knew that he would play for Syracuse. Now, unfortunately, at the time, he was struggling academically. So he had to he had to take some summer classes. And uh, in order for him to qualify and play under Jimmy Bayheim. He also transferred to Oak Hill Academy, which is, we all know, big powerhouse basketball school. Now, Steve Smith was his AAU coach, and he was interviewed. And I have a quote from him about Carmelo sacrificing his summer ball schedule to try and get his grades up. He said he had to give up a lot in the summer basketball camps and events that players love to attend. He would go to classes from 7 a.m. to noon, six days a week. And then at 2 p.m. each day, he had to meet with me in the gym. He said it would be 100 degrees with no AC, and we would work out with him for two hours all by himself. Any mm. thoughts on Carmelo in his pre-Syracuse days, Maurice? Yeah, I mean, once again, was a player that was short sprouted up, 
and, and all of a sudden, bam, you got a super, you got a potential professional basketball player. Will you have the talent? It's always going to show eventually. Yeah. I love the dedication. It, it, obviously, like him and Kobe are not cut from the same cloth, but doesn't mean that just because you don't have the Mamba mentality doesn't mean that you don't work hard because he clearly wanted basketball. It was, a, it was something he always reached for. We talked about it with his mom and practicing in 100 degrees. Guys, I tried playing pickup basketball when I was like in, in ninth grade outside in probably 100 degrees. I got heat stroke. Like it was bad. I had to get like I I was like on the couch for like two hours trying to cool down. Wow! So I can only imagine what yeah. what was going through with Carmelo. Oh yeah, Ben. I always forget Baltimore is not part of the DMV, but it's very close. <laughs> yeah. They don't claim it apparently, but it but Baltimore basketball is really good. Uh, you even see like uh, an LSU Angel Reese. I think she's from Baltimore, mm-hmm. and and then her cousin was just drafted. But um, Bogues, I think, was from Baltimore. Yeah, I think yeah, I think it's this. It's similar to Ingram, and you see it with like the pe- the 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 six nine guys with size that have these guard skills. You know, Anthony Davis a little bit, but with Melo, I think he they say he's one of the greatest scorers of all time, and so I'm sure being cut from his team like Jordan was, and it sounds like he had a lot of he work. He's got an incredible work ethic, and that's part of why he. You know, you see, you still see it. He works out with his son. His work ethic is like really, really strong. I think that's what stands out. Oh, yeah. Carmelo Anthony, the epitome of hard work, dedication, growing up in a really rough situation. Uh, I've been to Baltimore many times. And when you have entire blocks boarded up, homes, it's like endless. You're like, man, like what's going on in, in the city or at least in those communities? And Carmelo was able to ascend that and make a name for himself. And I'm sure he'll be in the Hall of Fame sooner than later. So let's get to Carmelo's Syracuse stats. Now, people probably know he only stayed for one year, but oh, what a year. Man, this guy had an amazing run with the Syracuse Orangemen. Now, even though I don't have his high school stats, you guys still want to hear his Syracuse stats? Sure. So let's start out with his regular season, his lone freshman year. Help me out with an over-under, guys. Over-under for Carmelo Anthony's three-point percentage for his regular season. Let's go with 35%. Ben? Over. Maurice? I'm going to go under. Lucas? Under. Ben, you are wrong. (laughs) He (laughs) shot 33% as a freshman at Syracuse, and that sounds about right. Because uh, he wasn't really a pure shooter the way he he had developed into when he got to the NBA. Now his numbers or his averages are very good. He averaged twenty two points, ten rebounds, two assists, and shot forty five percent from the field, seventy percent from the free throw line. Now most basketball fans will remember his magical run towards a national title. Let's peek at his tournament stats. So six games before he won the title against Manhattan. He had 17 Oklahoma state, 13 Auburn. He scored 18 Oklahoma. He had 20 against Texas. Uh, he had 33 points, quite impressive. And then the national championship against Kansas Mello put up 20 points. All right. Uh, Ben will like this, his college accolades. Wow. He's got a lot NCAA all region 
NCAA Most Outstanding Player in the tournament. 2002-2003, all Big East. 2002-2003, Big East Rookie of the Year. Big East All-Freshman Team. And the most important, NCAA Champion. Now, after winning a national title, Carmelo would enter the NBA draft as one of the top NBA prospects in 2003. With the third pick in the 2003 NBA draft, the Denver Nuggets select Carmelo Anthony from Syracuse University. All right, Lucas, what do you take away from Carmelo Anthony's college career? Look, Jim Beheim was already really well-loved coach, but it made him a legend. After Carmelo, you had a, a litany of players that came out of Syracuse afterwards and it re- helped recruiting for probably about 10 to 15 years, to be honest. Also, okay, he had two teammates that I can remember from that championship team. One of them was Eric Dievendorf. Do you guys remember him? Vaguely. Yeah, obviously he, you do. <laughs> well, he he was one of the he was like he was cut from the same cloth of like Jason Williams, you know, tatted all up, uh, white guy with the short hair. I do remember him. Yes, yeah. I never knew his name though. Yeah, Eric Evendorf, man. Well, let me tell you something. The Biggies had some crazy names in the two thousands. All right, Aaron Gody. Sorry, I'm getting off track. No, no, no. No, I was going to say <laughs> spell it. You're so hype about this guy. Devendorf? Oh, Dievendorf. I have no idea, man. Uh, well, then you're not a real Devendorf fan. I'm not, because I've name. watched West Virginia, but I remember that Big East at that point. Uh, <laughs> and I think the other guy's name was Alex something, but I can't remember. Ben, do you remember your Big East guy? They had a, a Philly guy who went to, I think, Germantown Friends as their power forward. They actually had a really loaded team. And he mm-hmm. actually was a, almost a lottery yeah, I, pick. I, I, yeah, What's I, his name? Uh, ha- you're talking about that- Hakeem Work. Yes, Hakeem Warwick. Yes, yeah, yeah, he was on there. I, I, there was another who, white. He, there was another white guy on the point team. guard. Point guard. Well, yeah, not, not Devendorf. Nope, Devendorf was the point guard. There was another it, like. I think he was the shooting guard. I can't remember. I, he could I know shoot. Who you're talking about? Who's but, the, I mean, they, yeah, they had they had some talent because they had some um, talent. That, that, who's, that, who's the guy from Harry Potter? Devendorf. Dumbledore. Dumbledore. Dumbledore, guys. Come <laughs> That's on. <what> it, <laughs> the whole time, the whole time I'm, I'm thinking about, as soon as you said that name, I'm like, what is Harry Potter doing in this episode? <laughs> oh, Lucas, are you talking about Gary McNamara? Yeah, McNamara. That's who yeah, I was thinking uh, of. Mm, Gary mm. McNamara. Man, he was a college <laughs> legend, man. It, it is yeah, it is interesting, the... um. Because Syracuse always had good players. Like if you look at their, like Derek Coleman went there. Yeah, they've yeah, always yeah. had stuff like guys that Johnny Flynn. Even, yeah, and I think a lot of them didn't really turn out in the league. Not and Mello, many. No. Mello kind of broke that trend. Yeah, um, Maurice, what about you? What stands out to you about Carmelo's college career? And you're not allowed to mention Dumbledore. <laughs> no, I'm not. I don't even think I could pronounce it right. Even yeah. um, Dorf, guys, it's not that hard. Well, I will say this because um, you played the clip of the draft, and 2003 is one of the better draft classes that we've seen so far in the NBA. We saw the sensation of LeBron James. You know, his his high school games was broadcasted on ESPN, and all I could say at that time was, I was like, okay, LeBron is probably the consistent number one, but Carmelo was probably the best collegiate player. Mm-hmm. Now, 
Detroit fumbled. They fumbled it with, yeah, the, with the number two. Can you imagine if oh, they yeah. got if they would have gotten Carmelo? That dynasty would have lasted another Ooh, five, six years. They were on the cusp of a championship. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. They couldn't. Poor Dark LeBron though. wouldn't have had a chance to get to that 07 finals. Not a chance. Ben, no, that would have been like drafting Duncan as far as like impact because they had the coach. Didn't they win the, his rookie? What did they win? They won in 04, right? Yeah, they yeah. won in 04. Yeah. Yeah. So they would have won his rookie year. And Darko um, was a, a non entity on, on that team. No. Ben, did you ch- talk about Melo's No, I, I talked about – I jumped in on like Dumbledore and no, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> ben, go ahead. Dumbledore. Uh, I mean, we got the elephant in the room, man. The, the fact he didn't go two is mm-hmm. just, I mean, yeah. unbelievable that because because LeBron was gonna, we're kind of in that O three draft right now. I won. Uh, I picked the three seed Syracuse my senior high school, and I won some money on Ooh, Syracuse. Hey, so, okay, only yep. time I ever won. But I just want to give that a shout out. Um, and Carmelo. Much like KD at Texas, was this the most dominant college player by a long shot? And so the fact that he didn't go number two was just kind of because he was almost as he wasn't as good as LeBron, but he was a more polished scorer. So they, yeah, I mean that that O three draft they say is one of the best ever. So could you yeah. imagine what type of player he could more complete? Not saying that Carmelo was bad. He's he's a seventy five top, you know. Hall of Fame, all that stuff. Imagine getting coached by Larry Brown. What type of defender he would have became and more selfless he, player. He might have been held back because of all the talent on that team. But I just want to say, I remember watching the championship game. At, of all places, I was in the gym and I'm working out by myself and I'm watching it on this like little TV. And I remember seeing Carmelo play and just go off in that championship game. And I thought, wow, this kid is going to be special. And to Ben's point, yeah, what was Detroit thinking? And uh, his career just took off right away. I think being at Denver was the best thing for him because it might have delayed his development with lack of playing time, even in the Larry Brown system in Detroit. Well, would he have been? Would he have overtaken Tayshaun Prince as a starter? That's a good question. Second quarter. Statistics. Brandon with two on the clock for the win. Yes, Got it! it! Yes, Tenths of a second to go. Timeout, Utah. Brandon Ingram. Do your thing, Through the pressure on again. Do your thing, Beyond. Catch and shoot as we watch the replay. I tell you what. That's be, what do we say in the beginning of the game? Because the way the Utah Jazz guard that pick and roll, Brandon Ingram understands. You can put Royce O'Neal on me. You can put Bagdanovich on me. You can put Joe Ingles on me. I can still get to my spot and elevate. He has been fantastic this game and even better in the second half. There's no one on the floor for Gotta go. the Oklahoma City Thunder that can guard Brandon Ingram. No one. Man, he gets the There's no one on the floor that can guard Brandon Ingram right now, and he knows that. About the 4 for 21 performance that he had against the Lakers, and he is aggressive tonight. I love it. Postseason this year, we'll see. But he's coming back better next year. Ingram forces it down. So those are some highlights of Brandon Ingram. Let's get into the numbers now. He's listed at 6'8", 190 pounds, a little bit on the thin frame, but we talked about that already. He's worn 14 at both of his stops with the Lakers and now currently with the Pelicans. Just some interesting stats here. Should note 
that for his career, he's at 19 points per game. Now, I have a fun over-under for you guys. Is he in the top 100 for points per game average for his career? I'll start with Maurice. And you said it's 19? 19.2, uh, to be exact. I'm going to say yes. Ben? Yes. I agree with everyone. I'm going to say yes. He is 95th in points per game all time in the NBA. That being said, let's go into his best year. His best season came in the 2019-20 season when he made his one lone all-star appearance so far. He averaged 24 points per game, six rebounds, four assists, one steal, half a block, three turnovers, while shooting 46% from the field, 39% from the three-point line, and 85% from the foul line. All right. Over under 50 points as a career high. Uriah. I'm going to go over. Over. I'll go under. Maurice is the only one correct. Oh. 49 points as a career high (laughs) during that season, actually. Okay. Career high 15 rebounds, career high 13 assists, four steals, four blocks, seven turnovers. And he also, and I'm going to start doing this now. He's been top 20 in points per game twice in his career, 2019 through 2021. So that's just some stats there. What do you guys think? I'm going to start with uh, Maurice. Yeah, I was kind of kind of surprised that his his career points per game is only 19. I, I would have thought it was maybe 22, 23. Well, he started out slow. when it, His rookie year, he was only 19 years old, and he averaged 9.4. Yeah. It took him some time to develop, but you know his game really did round out as he got a couple years into the league. Mm-hmm. Hey, when you come into the Lakers, you're drafted into the Lakers at 19 years old in Kobe Bryant's shadow. It's going to be a little tough sledding, but um, he's grown really well. I agree with Maurice a lot. We kind of know him as a player now, but it took him a couple years to develop and find his place, and he really did in New Orleans. I think he had the opportunity. There's a lot of pressure with Lakers. They want you to like be a championship team right away, even when you're rebuilding. When they were rebuilding during and after Kobe, I think they had a ton of top three picks. It's interesting thinking back to Brent, like what if they kept all of them? I know we're not talking about that, but like with Brandon and, and Lonzo Ball and everything. And But I think what stands out to me is the 13 assist, I would say, because that shows that he can play the point guard. And he showed, he showed that in that Phoenix Suns second round. When he kind of carried them against Phoenix, he took them to six games. Yeah, just to build off that point. Not counting this current season, the last four seasons, he's averaged over four assists a game. Last two, he's averaged over five. Ben stole my point. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm out here in the cold. I saw you there. I was no, like, oh, shit, I said something. Yeah. No, how would you know, right? I just, that was like, that stood out. I was like, and you were talking about, the Kobe shadow. I was like, that was a good point. And I'm like, I'm going to get assists, but I'll just well, go I'm, ahead. Well, I'm, I'm here in LA and like, I have to be honest with you guys, like when the Lakers like get swept, they, yeah. their fan base is, it, it, they go, they're like, we should have kept that core together. Like they go places. We shouldn't oh, yeah. have traded. Like, so <laughs> they, always mean, honestly, they always bring up Brandon Ingram. Honestly, yeah. maybe Whatever they he shouldn't balls have. Out. But the no, thing they is they wouldn't have developed under LeBron James into the players they are now. Right. Yeah. Lay, lay GM, right? Lay they GM. want a chip, yeah. yeah. They want a chip, yeah. Well, look, Brandon Ingram, 
I'll just echo that point because that is impressive. And I think 13 assists is a career high when you're known as a scorer. It just proves that he has the capability of distributing and being unselfish on the current team he's on now. He has weapons just as good as he is offensively. So maybe those four assists a game, like Lucas mentioned, that could be a pattern that develops or continues. You know, the crazy thing is he's probably not even... So their point guard is C.J. McCollum, and I'm stealing Maurice's here for a second. I'm sorry, Maurice. And his his star teammate is Zion Williamson. I think he's better of a playmaker than C.J. And you could argue it's either him or Zion who's better with the ball, maybe Zion. But still, you could have three guys averaging around five assists a game, five, six assists a game. That's a win for the Pelicans. Yeah. Three on two for the Nuggets. Oh, Carmelo Anthony able to put it down. Ways to shoot it. Barnes trying to check Anthony. Good head. Oh, take that twice. So those were just some highlights from Carmelo. Let's get into the numbers. So surprisingly, I, I always saw six, eight on like NBA games and NBA stuff. But according to basketball reference, he's listed at six, seven, 238 pounds. His numbers varied from team to team. With the Nuggets, he wore 15. With the Knicks, Thunder, Rockets, and Lakers, he wore seven. And then before he got to the Lakers, he played with the Blazers, where he wore double zero. Carmelo Anthony played a very long time. And I'll be honest, guys, it was not easy to choose one of his best seasons. But I'm going to go with the season that he led the league in scoring. That would be the 2012-13 season. If I remember correctly, the Knicks actually made a pretty deep playoff run that year. And I think it was with Tyson Chandler and Amari Stoudemire. Yeah. I forget who the point guard was. Was it Baron Davis or was it somebody else? Lynn Sanity? I don't know. Anyway, so that season, he averaged 29 points, seven rebounds, two and a half assists, one steal, a half block, two and a half turnovers while shooting 45% from the field, 38% from the three-point line, and 83% from the foul line. For his career highs, now I think some of us would remember these because, let's be honest, some of these were epic, especially because they happened in Madison Square Garden. Over, under, 60 points. Over. 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 Yeah, that was an easy one, guys. He also had a career high, 15 rebounds, including a 12 offensive rebound game one year back in 2007 and eight. Wait, 12 offensive rebounds? Oh, sorry. My, my <laughs> mistake. Not, like no, 12 NBA offensive record. rebounds is correct. Oh, it is? I oh, had okay. a, a career high of 15 defensive rebounds. Career high oh, okay. total rebounds is 22. Oh, okay. Career high assist, 11. Career high steals, 6. Career high blocks, 4. Career high turnovers, 10. Just to put it out there, points per game, career, Carmelo's 37 at 22 and a half. And for total points, is he over or under 10th all-time in total points, guys? Let's see if you guys can remember this. 
Uh, over under. Yeah, total. A- NBA, ABA points ever. Under. I say under. Over. He is eleventh all time. Oh, okay. Eleventh all time. Sorry, Ben. But nice, nice try though. If we were going purely <laughs> NBA, mm-hmm. it'd be over. Okay. But a, a, when they do like you know points of all time, they include ABA guys. I don't know why, but they do. <laughs> uh, so yeah. Also, interesting fact: total rebounds. He's in the one hundreds. Mm-hmm. He's nine. He's ninety first all time total rebounds. Which for a guy, you don't really think Carmelo is a rebounder, but he is. Besides that, he did have one year that he averaged more points per game than that when he led the uh, NBA in scoring, uh, which was his fourth season when he averaged 29. Well, he also, okay, so his career year technically was 28.7. His best year scoring was 28.9. Let me start with Maurice. Maurice, what are you taking away from this? What stands out to me was it didn't take Carmelo Long to to be a dynamic scorer in the NBA. And if we talked about this before on a, on a couple podcasts where we have guys who are just, it's just easy for them to get a bucket. And Carmelo coming out of Syracuse, we remember those Denver teams, and he was a walking bucket pretty much straight out of his, his rookie year. We talked about Detroit, maybe that would have changed things. Maybe, but he definitely had the opportunity in Detroit even when a guy who's an all-time great scorer like Allen Iverson comes to the organization, the Denver, the Denver Nuggets organization, and Melo is still putting up consistently the same numbers. And then when he goes to New York, does the same thing. It's just easy for him to score. I think the percentages, it stands out to me because I think Brandon Ingram is in that same range mm-hmm. for his best season, like, mid 40% from the field, high 30% from from three. And the thing that Maurice mentioned really strikes my memory in that scoring wise, he could do it from anywhere on the floor in terms of post game. He was a beast. Pull up mid range. He was a beast. He'll pull up and shoot a three in your face. No problem. Or he can just drive the lane and yam it on you like the best of them. So dynamic score played for a long time, like Lucas said, and it was surprising, Lucas, I'm glad you brought up that he's in those top tiers in terms of overall rebounds and points throughout NBA history. And that's why he's going to go down as one of the best scorers ever to put on an NBA jersey. The 22 points kind of surprises me because he came out averaging over 20 points right away, but because he played so long trying to win a chip that he was like a six man kind of only the last few years. So I remember his career averages were always around like 25, 26 for a long while. So the 22 for his career, I think is what stands out. I remember being a lot higher for a long time. Well, I will say this. He was averaging at least 21 points per game outside of his second season until the last five seasons of his career. Even then he was averaging between 16 and 13 most of the time 13 so like it's not like even though he was being used as a reserve though there was one year in Portland that he started all 58 games that was that was the year after uh the Houston stuff went down I'll say this Carmelo we're assuming that he doesn't play any more NBA games he's finished his career with 28,289 points yes now 
LeBron, who's now the all-time leader, has as re- recording thirty-eight thousand. Yeah. So, do you guys really think he could have at least cracked top five if he was more consistent? You know, took care of himself and had opportunities to score in the NBA instead of being becoming a journeyman. Yeah, didn't he not play for a year before Portland picked him up? No, yeah. no, he just didn't play the, for the rest of that Houston year, and he missed half of that. Oh, not half. He he played fifty eight yeah. games with Portland after that Houston year, but Houston really ruined. How him many for games the rest did he play in Houston? Ten. His, yeah, see, that's like that's like a thousand yeah. fifteen hundred points right there. That yeah. that that jumps you up a lot. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm with you, Maurice. Yeah, yeah that was a weird year. Bad. That was a whole weird. That experience. was a Daryl Morey thing. Third quarter, accolades. And Brandon Ingram joins us now. Congratulations to you. Thank you. Hey, when you look at uh, the body of work it took uh, to do what you did, and you, you increased your scoring from about 18 up to 24 this year, made more threes this year than you had in your career, what was it you did in the off season that prepared you for the upcoming season that resulted in this award? Uh, first, I want to say to God be the glory. Uh, without him, um, I wouldn't be healthy. Um, I wouldn't have a chance to get back on the basketball court. I think it goes back to last March, um, me getting injured and um, not being able to be back on the court until September. And that's very little time to come into and, and start preseason and start the regular season. But I, I was I was ready for it. And um, since day one, coming in, talking to Alvin Gentry, David Griffin, um, and, and some of the uh, trainers on the team, uh, I just wanted to put in my work every single day and just get the best out of it in this year. And um, Alvin Gentry gave me a good opportunity to just go out there and do what I wanted to do. Okay, that is Brandon Ingram. It's a short list. So what award do you guys think that was? Uh, most improved. All right. I concur. All right, Lucas. I will third that motion. All right, yeah, in 2020, Brandon Ingram was the NBA Most Improved Player. That was his first year with New Orleans. So right away, he kind of came in and kind of dominated. Was that the year? Did they have Zion that year? Or was Zion drafted the next year? Yeah, he was drafted a year later. He was drafted in 2020? Okay. So small list. Again, as we said before, Brandon was kind of – developing his game he was 18 when he was drafted he was part of that rebuild lakers and they kind of gave it up for anthony davis so uh, he kind of got a fresh start in new orleans he is still he just turned 26 in september so he's still fairly young what other major award do you guys think he has accomplished i'll go with all-star okay i concur (laughs) lucas (laughs) yet again third the motion same year, he was the 2020 NBA All-Star. And uh, his third, I'll just say his third uh, NBA accolade was he was the All-NBA Rookie second team in 2017 with the Lakers. The biggest thing with Brandon is if you look at his stats, he's averaged over 20 points quite a bit in the last few years. And, and he put, he's he's efficient too. And he gets rebounds, he gets assists. The biggest thing with him is, is games played. I think that's why he... Uh, he probably would have, I think, another all-star appearance, potentially even an all-NBA appearance, maybe third team, had he played. There's only one year he played more than 70 games. That was actually his rookie year. Every other year he's playing like 
50 something, 62. Last year, he only played 45. Mm-hmm. That's it. Small list. Again, this guy's got a lot of, a lot of potential. So, yeah. One, one quick correction. Brandon Ingram did play with Zion his first season. He did. Okay. That's what I thought. Thank you for that. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I thought. Actually, he won't lead the NBA in scoring. I forgot. If, as long as he plays with Zion. What did you guys think about his accolades so far? I'll start with you, Lucas. I feel like he maybe deserves another all-star nod up to this point. But, you know, they, yeah. they're going to do what they're going to do. Yeah, I, I agree. I think especially the West isn't the strongest with uh, forwards. During this era, they're pretty guard-heavy. So I think he deserves mm-hmm. another nod. Yeah, he should have another all-star appearance. But um, he's still young. So he's going to – I think at this point, people recognize what his game is. Zion may take some of that shine away from him, but if the Pelicans, and I do believe the Pelicans will be a competitive team, Brandon Ingram is going to get the accolades that's coming to him. Too talented, not to. Yeah, I agree. If I were to think about what Maurice just said, is Zion taking shine away from him? I think it's not so much shine as it is touches because now you have CJ McCollum in there. For him to make an all-star team again, I think it's... He has the talent, Lucas. He has the skill, Maurice. But I just don't think he'll have enough numbers that will warrant the voters to get him into a Well, here's another game. thing stopping him. It's hard to give a team that's barely in the playing conversation more than one all-star player. The Pelicans have to be at least the top five, top four team in the West in order for him. Because it's not going to be just him. It's going to be him and Zion yeah. to okay. get all-star but nots. Okay, that's good. That's a good point. I, I can agree with that. Yeah, it's, and it's only going to get harder because you got uh, Wemby and Chet now in the West, so it's going to be harder to get that forward spot. Carmelo Anthony. Congratulations, Carmelo Anthony. The NBA looks forward to honoring the ongoing commitment and efforts of players in naming this year's Kareem Abdul-Jabbar Social Justice Champion and finalist during the 2021-22 NBA postseason. Once again, a big round of applause for Carmelo Anthony and the captain, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Little different than Ingram. We've got a retire, a potentially retired player. Um, I think but, it's safe to say that he's retired. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, with a... What do you have? Eighteen year career, Carmelo. Yeah, nineteen, eighteen, nineteen year career. Uh, um, I think nineteen technically because he retired. All right, let's start it off. I'm going to ask a question. How many All Star teams do you think Carmelo has made? I'll start off with you, Uriah. Wow, I know it's a lot. It's so a let's lot. go with nah, no. Let's go with ten. Let's go thirteen. Lucas? Hang on, I'm doing the math in my head. He didn't make it until his fourth season. Then he missed one more in the span between then and the end of the Knicks. The end of the Knicks happened in 2015. I'm going to say 11. Lucas had, uh, your your math was correct there, but it's 10. Ah, Um, what? It is 10. That is surprising, the numbers he was putting up. And the Nuggets were pretty competitive that he didn't make it till 07. I'm curious of like, uh, he was in the West. That is interesting. I was about to say, cause you had Tim Duncan, KG, 
Dirk. Dirk, yeah, you're right. They were still in their prime. You're yeah, right. Chris Weber for maybe one or two of those years. Uh, who else was in the West that was a, considered a forward? Pal Gasol. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, Never so, mind. There you go. Yeah. There you just named like six guys. So Carmelo is a 10-time NBA All-Star. 2007-2008. Lucas is right. He missed the 2009 NBA All-Star. That might have... I don't know that if was that was... 22 points per game. I don't know why they did that then. Because it, it wasn't like he missed a lot of games that year. Yeah. And and then he made eight straight from 2010 to, to 2017. So oh, he is a 10-time ten, ten NBA All-Star. He is a two-time All-NBA second team. He's never made the first team. He made the second team in 2010-2013. And he's a four-time All-NBA third team. He made it in 2006, 2007, 2009, 2012. So from 06, well, he made the All-NBA team in 06 and wasn't an All-Star. Uh, from 06 to 2013, one year he missed the All-NBA team. Has Carmelo, we kind of answered this. How many scoring titles has Carmelo won? Lucas? One. I think one. Yeah, one. One? All right. That is correct. In 2013, he was the NBA scoring champion. He was the 2004 NBA All-Rookie First Team. In 2021, he is the Kareem Abdul-Jabbar Social Justice Champion Award. That is what Uriah was playing. Mm -hmm. And he was on the Lakers then. He is the NBA 75th anniversary team. I just have to say it because we already said it. Mm-hmm. And this is a good one, actually. How many Olympics games has Carmelo been a part of? Ooh, games or teams? Like, teams. Teams. teams? Teams, my bad. Teams. Okay, so let's see. He was in Greece 2004. He was in Japan 2008. I say four. I say three. Lucas, you were correct. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I think this, to me, this was the most impressive. He he. And by mm-hmm. the way, uh, that 04 team, he was part of the Redeem team in 08. Uh, and he was part of that 04 team after yeah. um, his rookie year. With, he wasn't uh, going to be on that team, but a lot of, like, over, what, 32 <laughs> players backed out or something? Yeah, yeah. And then they – so that, to me, just shows his longevity, his scoring ability, and his just, like – actual skill set is he it, it like, kind of it it translated through his like athletic ability if that makes sense like he he, he just had so much uh basketball skill mm-hmm. that he was able to play on four olympic teams and he won three and, gold right three golds <clears throat> three gold three three in a row gold yeah. after that oh four disaster of yeah. the bronze but yeah a three-time gold medal winner isn't he either first or second all-time and scoring for team usa I want to say. I actually don't know. I, that is a good um, I, I didn't even think about looking up Team USA stuff, but I I think it's either him or Durant. That's number one. And and in the NBA, I know Lucas had um the ABA, NBA, but if you just count NBA, he ninth. is ninth, ninth yeah. all time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll, I'll just pass it along to you guys. Maurice, what, what stands out to you with Carmelo's accolades? He could have been more than a 10-time All-Star. Now that one anomaly year, his his production was a little down. I don't know why. I think we know how great Carmelo Anthony is. He's a Hall of future Hall of Famer. Um, I'm shocked about the All Star appearance. What what really stood out to me was a four time Olympian. At that point, you become an elder statesman to the younger players when you're in the Olympics. Um, 
I'll was, I was, hopefully one day we hear the stories about some of the um, the knowledge Carmelo instilled on some of the younger um, Olympians going forward. Yeah, my take has to do with the whole concept of scoring. As much as he could score and did score, and the many ways that he could do it, I would think that he would lead the league more than one time in scoring. Now, he was always up there near 30 points, but because the league is just filled with great scores during his era, he just got it once. And I think it's a good point to look at his Olympic accolades because that's that's a big deal because the NBA now, or at least the basketball scene globally, is much more competitive. So it's not like it's like he was on the 92 Dream Team and all the international teams couldn't touch the United States. So for him to make those teams and and get all those medals, I think that's something that he definitely should be proud of despite not winning a championship. What stands out to me is that he's never made an all NBA first team. And I think that goes back to how they voted back then, because remember back then until very recently position mattered. So even though they had two forwards and a center, they still kept to one power forward, one small forward. And of course, who was always the best small forward in the NBA during that time? That's LeBron. LeBron. Right? So, yeah. And they're always, and during that time, it was prime Tim Duncan years, right? And right. if not Tim Duncan, maybe Kevin Durant or somebody else. Like there was always somebody yeah. else where he yeah. was Dirk. always second or Dirk. Yeah. You know, there, there was always somebody else. And part of it was, I think part of it was team success. Because you guys asked me what happened in that 2008 season. Well, the Nuggets were sixth in the NBA. Maybe that had to do part of it. Um, I'm looking up the All-Star game now to try to see who was on that West team. That West team was pretty loaded. The only player that you could say that probably should have been ahead of him, that, that he should have been ahead of for sure, David West. That season was the year that um, the New Orleans Hornets looked pretty good at that time. So Yeah, it's Chris Paul was on that team. Chris too. Paul, yeah. yeah. Chauncey Billups. Uh, so his teammate got got it because mm-hmm. Chauncey was on that team. Right. Chauncey got an all-star nod. Maybe It wasn't even injury, though. That's the thing. He, he only missed 66 games, so it shouldn't have been an injury. Yeah, you had Co- Chauncey, Kobe, Tim, Powell, Yao, Dirk, Shaq, Tony, Chris Paul, Brandon Roy, Amari Stoudemire, David West. Yeah, I think Lucas just to land. I'm with Uriah, by the way. He should have more, like, especially early on, because he averaged, he actually averaged 29 in one of the Iverson years. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it, it, there's no reason he should have. But I guess those Knicks teams were pretty deep. So, I think he had to spread the wealth a little bit more. Didn't they have, like, Jarrett Smith? They had some, they had some, like, fringe all stars. So, um, I mean, look, the, the NBA loved Chauncey Billups after he won that. And to be fair to Chauncey, that season, he did average 17, 6, uh, and 1.2 steals. So, like I said, NBA loves Chauncey Billups. Fourth quarter, teammates. And I said, look, I said, look, bro. I played with a bona fide killer in Portland, a guy who can shoot from 50 feet out. I said, do not worry about me. I always figure out how to eat. You eat first. You go be aggressive, go get 30, go get 40, 
don't worry about me. I came here to help you, to help Z, to help Willie, to help take us to the next level. But for us to get to the next level, you have to be great. And I have to let you be great. And we had the conversation the next night. He went and got 35 or 36. And then he looked at me and he was like, I said, look, I'm going to always figure it out. I said, go be who you are and don't be afraid of your greatness. Don't be afraid of that next step. And he showed that next step in the playoffs against the Suns where he was unguardable, right? Like he did whatever he wanted. He's unbelievable, bro. Like his work ethic, his skill set, he can pass, he can run a pick and roll, he can guard in now. All right. That was CJ McCollum talking about his current teammate, Brandon Ingram. Brandon Ingram, before we talk about the Pelicans, though, Brandon Ingram was drafted by the Los Angeles Lakers. Immediately, his first two teammates that I will speak of is actually two players that we featured on this podcast, Meta World Peace and Jordan Clarkson. Uh, Julius Randle, Kyle Kuzma, that was a year later. Now, the Lakers had some really young talent. Now, they kind of got shuffled around, moved around once the GM came to the Lakers. But after Kobe, they started to build something. Now, then they moved on from that, but more young talent. D'Angelo Russell, Nick Young, um, Lou Williams was on that team as well. Nick Young was, was not a young talent at that point, my man. Well, I mean, I mean, he was still a good player. I mean, he was still a good player, yeah, but he, he was, was not young. Good. He was in there. He was in there. But anyway, I digress. Thanks, Lucas. Alex Caruso played a season with Rajon Rondo. Uh, I think mm-hmm. we forget that, and um, I'm a, I'm a Rajon Rondo fan. Reggie Bullock, and the list kind of weans from there, but. He did play one season with LeBron James. Mm-hmm. Who has won the most games with Brandon Ingram? I'm sorry. I'll go with Joyce Randall. Lucas? Come back to me. Ben? On the Lakers? Jordan Clarkson. Lucas? Yeah, I'm going to agree Jordan Clarkson. Actually, Josh Hart. Oh, I was thinking Josh Hart. I was like, Josh no, they weren't Hart. drafted the same year, yeah. oh, were they? Wow. Now, I will say this. Josh Hart, now, I'm using uh, Real GM. Mm-hmm. So they have Josh Hart because they played with Josh Hart with the Lakers and Pelicans. So they have him combined. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, so it's yeah, that's easy. Yeah. So it was 110 wins between with the two of them. Okay. Who's the next yeah. one up? Lonzo Ball. Yet again, that, that that they played together in both places. Yeah, we kind of forget about Lonzo Ball because, you know, he's had some recent injuries. But So we move on to the Pelicans. You traded, like I mentioned earlier, he was traded for Anthony Davis in a big blockbuster trade that led the Lakers onto a championship. And on the Pelicans team, C.J. McCollum, like we just heard in the clip, Zion Williamson. I mean, those two right there are pretty much the Pelicans' big three currently. Other players, Larry Nance Jr., J.J. Reddick played a season with the two seasons yep. with the Pelicans. Mm-hmm. Eric Bledsoe, Garrett Temple, Stephen Adams, and Drew Holiday. So I say this to say that Brandon Ingram has played with a lot of talented, high caliber players. Apparently, it's rubbing off on him because not only is he is his his potential is his skill set is is keep rising. For all intents and purposes, he's doing pretty well off the court, just you know, keeping a level head and staying straight and narrow. So let me ask you guys, when it comes to the Pelicans, 
and I do this, I ask this question with the younger guys because we don't know how their potential is going to go. So let me ask you guys, do you guys think the Pelicans can be a contender in the Western Conference going forward, at least in the next season or two, currently constructed? Start with Ben. I can answer that in a way that, like, talks about Zion, I guess, or? No, but what do you guys think of the current constructed roster that the Pelicans have? Can they be a contender in the Western Conference this season and going forward? Yeah, it's all about health, but yeah, they have the pieces. The thing about Brandon Ingram is we talked about it with the 13 assists. He has a skill set like a Tatum or a Durant. You can just plug in. He's a tall guy who can play four positions. You can just plug him in. He can create his own shot. He can play defense. He um, can can distribute the ball well. He can handle. He can play point forward. So, I mean, he's the perfect player to have on your team. So, I think there's a lot yeah, of teams not, that would like a Brandon Ingram on there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, and you see that. Like, oh, yeah. let's be let's be real. Like, especially in the Eastern Conference, the teams that have been coming out, the Celtics, the Heat, Celtics, Heat. It's wing heavy, and yep. a player like yep. him just. Like that's all it is. Like and so he is a he's proven he's a good playoff player. He averages over twenty seven points in the playoffs. And I mean it's a small sample size. So I think yeah, they can be a contender. We saw that last year early, if healthy. And I actually like the fit with CJ McCollum and Zion. It's just can they just stay healthy? Yeah, I mean, like Ben said, it's all about health. If he and Zion can stay healthy and their supporting cast, they, they're already struggling with injuries coming out the gate. So it's not a good start. But who knows? If healthy, they're a top three team in the West. Yeah, Zion, I think, is the key. As much as Ingram and C.J. McCollum are impactful in the perimeter, I think Zion really takes the pressure off them to score you know, from those long range shots that they typically take. But of course, health is, is paramount, like you mentioned. But I think they can they can get past the play in and have a decent record. If these guys stay together and they get a nice full season to get some continuity, I think they can contend maybe maybe for like conference semifinals, maybe finals, conference finals. I don't see them making it all the way, but yeah. I think health is, is a key component. I was like 32, end of my prime, still good, but I can't really carry the team. But he could carry it every night. And so I really needed him. You know what I mean? I really needed him, and he was a mm. unstoppable. People don't understand he could give it to you on three levels, however you want it. I mean, it was incredible. This dude was the most talented dude I ever, I ever seen, ever played with. Um, and I needed him at the, that time in my career, and he obviously needed me too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it was a perfect. It was literally perfect. And he listened, and Melo, he he never missed a practice. He practiced hard. He come to work every day. It was beautiful. I just was like, damn, what? Why they can't get over the hump? But then you know, you start you start to just make people refocused. And I come, and you know how I come. Mm-hmm. You know how I am. Anyway, I'm every day with it. So I think they kind of understood. All right. Was that Amari Stoudemire? No. Anybody else know who that was? Chauncey Billups. Yeah, that was okay. Chauncey. Yeah. I don't know why I have Amari in my head. It sounds similar, but anyway. Let's talk about Carmelo Anthony. Um, Carmelo was drafted in 2003 NBA draft to the Denver Nuggets. And 
Carmelo had some good leadership, I'll say, coming into the league. This first person, it seems like this first person has played on half the teams in the league has played with one superstar or another. Andre Miller. I oh, mean, yeah. it, it, he's, he's been like around. He's been, the professor. Yeah. He's, he's been everywhere. Utah. Yeah, he's been everywhere. Um, Andre Miller, Chris Birdman Anderson, of course, Allen Iverson. That team didn't work as well as we all thought it would. I mean, that was, you know, that was towards the end of Iverson's prime years, but I, I thought they would at least contend for a conference a conference title with the two of them, but it really didn't work out. Actually, he played he played one season with Byron Russell. That was a name that threw me off. Yeah, Byron Russell. Weird. Who's the Utah Jazz? Oh, come on, now, Lucas. Byron Michael Russell. Jordan's final shot. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Excuse me, I'm young. <laughs> Wait, is it Brian Russell or Byron Russell? Byron Russell. Oh, okay. He's the guy that MJ crossed up. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 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 John Barry, Al Harrington, Wesley Persons, and Joe Smith. And it kind of wanes out from there. And Jawan Howard as well. What are you guys' opinion on those Denver Nuggets teams with Melo? I thought they could have been more competitive with the talent they had around them. Now, this is in the Western Conference like in the mid-2000s where you, know, you had the Lakers and you had just the Spurs. But I I, I always thought the, the Nuggets could have competed a little bit more for at least a, a conference championship. So you know how sometimes you have good coaching, but the chemistry isn't there with the players and the coach? Mm-hmm. I think that's what happened. Because I don't think... I don't think the players vibed with George Carl, who was the coach at the time. George Carl is a great coach, but yes, I don't yes. think the chemistry with the coach was ever there. Yeah, I don't think there was enough defense on those teams that in it, earlier in his career. Because I think earlier in his career was when he had Iverson, the very end of his prime. Yeah. And then he had Chauncey. I think it was too much offense, from what I remember. Nobody was more disappointed that I know of when Iverson was traded and teamed up with Melo and it didn't work out. I thought that was a great one-two punch, but like Ben said, it just wasn't enough defense. And all those teams in the West, they were too good to deal with the team that was just straight offense, which is what Denver was. I, I thought that Marcus Camby was on one of those teams and he was a, a decent rim protector. Yeah, Marcus Camby, uh, Nene, um, Linus Claza, Anthony Carter, I could go on. Point is, that I yeah. think Melo... Uh, or Carmelo Anthony, I, I think that that team underachieved because they they could have went farther than they they did. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So let's move on to the Knicks. I think we remember more so the Knicks Melo because me personally, my opinion, I think that was his prime years with with the Knicks. Carmelo and Madison Square Garden was always something to see when he had a prime time game. Some of the Knicks players that played with Carmelo Anthony, Amon Shepard, Tyson Chandler, Amari Stoudemire, uh, Jason Kidd for one season, 2012-2013. Jeremy Lin, you all remember the Sanity? Yeah, he was not happy about that. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. As soon as you know, Melo was healthy, um, Lin Sanity was over. But it was fun to watch. It was very enjoyable. I'll say oh, yeah. that. Uh, Derek Rose, Mike Bibby. I forgot that he forgot was on the about Knicks. that. Yeah, yeah. 
2011-2012 season. Um, Joachim Noah, Baron was, Davis. Yep. Kurt Thomas, I can go on and on. Once again, another name, Meta World Peace was on the Knicks team. Well, it seemed <laughs> like he was everywhere, too. Yeah. Actually, I think Melo had more talent on the Knicks than he did on the on the Nuggets, which is crazy I to say. I don't know about that. Most of the guys you've <laughs> talked about were past their primes and at the end of their careers. <laughs> no, Amari, Tyson Chandler. Amari Tyson Chandler. Okay, but I'm JR's... talking about Jason Kidd, Baron Davis, Rasheed okay. Wallace. Yeah, but you got to look at you got to look at J.R. Smith in his prime. Amari's still in his prime. Amari Tyson was Chandler, at the prime. Derrick Rose definitely. He was, he, well, he has some injuries. Yeah, Derrick Rose. Rose was that too. was the trade after he left Chicago. He went to New York, and he looked terrible that first time around. All right, I don't know. I think yeah, Amari was past. Uh, yeah, you're right. But mm-hmm. I thought that team. Yeah, they they, they won 54 games the one year. Yeah, Mike Woodson season. did a good job. Good yeah. as the Mike. They made a playoff run with him right yeah that was the yeah. famous year that carmelo got stuffed at the rim by uh roy hibbard talking yeah. about iconic let's move on to the oklahoma city thunder which also starred russell westbrook stephen adams when we think about carmelo's career we think about the knicks we think about the nuggets and more recently i guess we would think about the lakers just because that was the last team that he was on but he also right. played for the thunder the run was very short, one season with the Thunder. After that, he played a season with the Rockets. And maybe not even a season, but a short stint with the Rockets. And on that team was P.J. Tucker, Chris Paul, James Harden. Had some talent there. Don't know what happened. but <laughs> Daryl Morey <laughs> happened. <laughs> yeah, good old Daryl Morey. We love Daryl Well, Moore. I think injuries, though, right? No, no, no. They literally mm-hmm. just did not like the way that he played and how he, he fit into the... Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. And then Trailblazers, he played with Dane. He played with C.J. McCollum, who went on to play with Brandon Ingram. And then he ended his career with the Lakers. He came a season after... He came a 21-22 season. Mm-hmm. So that was recently, but that was two seasons after the bubble championship, mm-hmm. I want to say. That was 2019-2020. You know, he ended his career with LeBron, Anthony Davis. When we remember Carmelo Anthony, we remember his greatness from the Nuggets to the Knicks. And although he didn't win an NBA championship, we remember him for being a Hall of Famer, you know, four-time Olympian, three-time gold medalist. I think he's one of them players where just because they don't win a championship doesn't take away from their greatness at all. Agreed. 100%. And I would say this about the end of his career. He was still averaging 13 points a game. I'm surprised the Lakers didn't bring him back, and more surprising that he didn't find another place. Whether that was by his choice or not, he could have kept on playing. He could give you a bucket. I I think he still can give you a bucket right now. Probably, if he had enough time to train. He could have, like, done kind of like Gary Payton did in Miami, like, gotten a chip. Ring chase? Um, just... Ring chase, but but that, there's also like you can't predict who's good. like no one predicted Denver to win it last year, right? It's it's hard to yeah. it's hard to predict that year to year. Man, he played with some. He played with everyone that last year. He played with like so many MVPs. The last run, like Russell Westbrook, LeBron James, James Harden. Yeah, he, Dang, he really. Yeah. It's interesting though, like going through that list, Maurice, because he really outside of Iverson. 
Yeah, and Lucas is kind of right. Like J.R. Smith, like who was his his best second player outside of Iverson? Chauncey um, yeah. Phillips was good. Amari you know, like, maybe for one season. But it is a bummer, like going through that list. Like when he was past his prime, mm-hmm. is like kind of he he finally got to play with these players. But I think yeah, had he almost, played had he played with a really good defensive team with either a great defensive unit or a great defensive center or a rim protector. You mean the team that should have drafted him? Yeah, I was about to say, yeah. (laughs) The Pistons, yeah. Exactly, exactly. Yep. Just to wrap it up, 309 wins with J.R. Smith. That's not surprising. That's Yeah, I would have thought that too. Him and J.R. were like best buddies for about, it felt like 10 years, to be honest. Yeah. JR got He was good, man, on, on that those next teams. Yeah, he was really you know, good. I wonder what yeah. prime JR Smith would look like in today's NBA. Because he was such a heat check guy back then, and today's defenses being softer than what they were. You gotta wonder what he could have done. Yeah, I mean he he won a championship, right? Yeah. yeah. He was yeah. on that team. Yeah. Cats. And then he he should have made an all-star team, I think, one of the years. Now that we've set up the debate with all the facts on Brandon Ingram and Carmelo Anthony, it's time for you to make your case. At this point, it's not about our opinion. It's about yours. We'll see you on your favorite social media platform, ready to check out your takes. Chime in on our Instagram at NBA underscore now and then underscore pod, on Twitter at NBA underscore now and then, and on our Facebook page, NBA now and then. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening in. We'll check you out next time on NBA now and then. The greatest comparisons. Peace. Later. Have a good one, guys.